0: In my final moment of life, there was no fear, no anxiety, no sadness or remorse. There was nothing except the feeling of a connection to something much greater than ourselves that is impossible to fully capture in words. The moment of my death became the most peaceful experience of my life, a thought that I would toil over greatly in the years to come. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Luis DiBianco. I have found that one of the most powerful and enjoyable ways to grow, expand, and enrich our lives is to read great books. And our sponsor, Audible, has made that easy and fun for you by offering you an audiobook of your choice absolutely free that you can download at their website, www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. You get to choose the book that you want for more than 180,000 titles, and you get access for a month to all of Audible services absolutely free. When you get something of value from this podcast, go to iTunes, look for the title Change Your Story, Change Your Life, leave a brief review and a rating for the show, a great way to pay this forward and to create more visibility and share this with more people. Keep your comments coming about what you're enjoying and also what you'd like to see in the show going forward. Send your comments to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. The haunting words at the beginning of this podcast are from The Beauty of a Darker Soul, a book by Josh Mance, a man who was shot and killed by a sniper bullet in Iraq. Today, he is a speaker, an author, a leadership consultant, and a person who helps others deal with and overcome trauma. This is my second interview with Josh Mance on the podcast. Today, we will focus on his second life. Josh, welcome back to Change Your Story, Change Your Life.
1: Louis, it is great to be back with you. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for um, devoting your time. Josh, you literally got to experience two lives. I mean, <laughs> most people, there are many people who don't even experience the one they've got. You experienced two. Now, that's the life before you were shot and killed, and the life after the medical team revived you. Were you reborn into your second life as a life of joy? <clears throat> uh No. <clears throat>
1: Uh, surprisingly, no. I, I, I um, what, what's interesting about that, Lewis, is, is, you know, as with many uh, traumatic experiences or what we might call peak experiences, uh, things that kind of bust us out of the current constructs that we're in a, a, about life. It, it, it <clears throat> the transformation doesn't really occur until we successfully integrate those experiences into our lives until we drive meaning in them. Mm. And when I, uh, came back to life, I mean, literally from, from, from the second I woke up, it it was, I was asking the question, when can I get back to my team? You know, I, I, I like so many other people, it's, it's so hard to make meaning out of, uh, experiences that just fundamentally disrupt the way we believe the world should work and without having that knowledge i kind of defaulted into going back into uh the past version of myself right And, and trying to trying to fit the mold of what just happened into the prior construct and and that caused a lot of uh false paths a lot of turmoil uh, that I really had to navigate through o- over the next 10 years. And in short, I'll tell you that, that the, the real rebirth didn't occur until the point of transformation, until the tipping point of transformation. And and that is when I it, it really dawned on me that uh, I had to learn to accept the death of my old self in order to fully live in the present moment.
0: And at what point, how many years had passed before that? tipping point of transformation
1: is about 10 years
0: (laughs) wow what a journey what a journey
1: is a progressive journey in between um but it's it's you know and i I always say that uh it's i i healing and and transformation and, and growth right it's it's a journey it's it's never a fixed point in time and if there's any lesson that I've learned over the last decade, that is that is probably the most valuable. It, it's I, I am participating in this journey we call life
0: mm. and mm-hmm.
1: kind of retain the humility to know that, um, you know, things could always change tomorrow. You know, and, and, and we, we, we kind of need to be ready to, to just respond to that. <laughs> and um, so, so, yeah, it's it's. Um, wouldn't change a bit uh, of that last journey. It was uh, all of it was for a reason. And oh
0: yeah, oh yeah, I I believe that too. Um, now, you obviously were dealing with trauma. So how, how how do you define trauma?
1: A psychologically traumatic experience are the the situations and events in our lives that fundamentally disrupt the way we believe the world should work and and when our perception of the world gets flipped upside down it can start to compromise the way we feel about ourselves um you know these these experiences are complex they're cumulative uh, and they're not always what they seem to be on the surface you know i i many many people like naturally uh Point to this very shiny object of the near-death experience, and and assume that that was uh, the most traumatic thing that I've ever been through. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying this with uh, even an ounce of bravado in it, but but truly, uh, that was the least of it. Uh, wh- what I really experienced over that journey, that was far more difficult to navigate, was the totality of the entire deployment uh, to the Middle East it was fighting through divorce, it was fighting through failed relationships, it was financial distress, it was living in chronic pain with Crohn's disease, kind of feeling like I was a modern-day Sisyphus, you know, pushing that boulder up the mountain and watching it roll back downhill, and, and, and somehow trying to find the the fortitude and the resilience to keep, keep going. And, um, you know, th- those are the things that... Uh, W- w- the things that you and I all experience uh, throughout throughout life that uh, that were far more difficult for me to navigate emotionally.
0: I love the image of Sisyphus, and for the benefit of our listeners, tell them who Sisyphus was.
1: Yeah, just in like Greek mythology, Sisyphus was uh, kind of condemned to 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 just an eternity of having to push a giant boulder up this mountain and was just taunted because every time he would get to the top, every time he would come close to cresting the mountain and being finished, the boulder would roll back down the mountain and he'd have to start all over again for eternity. And, um, it, you know, it's it, it can often feel like that to us in life uh, as as we just chronically get hit over and over and over again by traumatic experiences, you know, by by, by life dishing it out to us and, and and just having to find the strength to to regroup uh, and 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 not give up and continue to push that boulder up the mountain.
0: You described Sisyphus very well. My question though is didn't Sisyphus have a moment when he suddenly realized that he could be free from torture and torment.
1: You know, you might know a little bit more about it than I do.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing about it is that at one point, he recognized, hey, it's impossible to keep the boulder at the top, so my goal is impossible. However, that destination is not what's important. It's the acting uh, as if it can happen. So he gave meaning to the journey (laughs) rather than the final goal or the end game because he recognized that there would never be an end game. And that made him free inside to recognize, hey, don't, It's basically when you tell somebody, don't get hung up on your results, just focus on the things that you're doing and celebrate those. So you're celebrating the journey, not the destination, which you know, there is no destination. It's forever, forever beyond your reach.
1: Louis, once again, your, your wisdom comes through here. Um... And, and what an element of depth that that just added to this, <laughs> this whole discussion. You know, it's, 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 um, what, 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 you know, what, what, is, what is surrender, right? And, you know, what, what's interesting here in this entire journey, this cyclical journey, is, is I, I literally, you know, I, I described, I think in the last interview, the, the point of death as, as being a, the only way I can describe that is a feeling of absolute and complete surrender. Uh, to something much greater than ourselves, and you know, ten years later, where I, where I learned to accept the death of my old self was really another breakthrough moment of surrender. The difference being that back during the near death experience, I was kind of forced into it, you know, and and didn't necessarily know what to do with it. And the real beauty of the journey was was almost a decade later when when I realized that the the key, just like you described in, in Sisyphus. Uh, w- w- was to consciously surrender. Now, that's a very difficult word for many of us, right? It, it, especially like high performers and, and, and certainly people of, uh, you know, military law enforcement professions, you know, the last thing that's bred into our minds is surrender, right? And um, it, but, but the question is, what does that really mean? And I, I'll share with you a conversation I was having with Navy SEAL Mark Devine, uh, the founder of Unbeatable Mind and SEAL Fit.
0: I've got his book. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> well, Mark and I were talking after a, a conference one day about this very topic, about what is surrender, and and he said surrender is not being attached to the outcome. You know, mm.
0: it
1: it it doesn't mean kick back and relax and hang out on a beach and and and, and you know <laughs> do nothing. It and it, nor does it mean that we don't have the capacity to influence situations. Um, or that we're we're helpless and and solely along for the ride. But it's having that strength to not be attached to the outcome, just as you described, as Sisyphus learned to do.
0: Actually, you probably would enjoy reading um, the man who articulated this about Sisyphus, uh, the French philosopher-writer Albert... Well, no... Is it Albert? Well, his last name was Camus, C-A-M-U-S. I believe it was Albert Camus. And he wrote The Myth of Sisyphus in which he raised the same question that Shakespeare raised in Hamlet, to be or not to be? That is the question. And for the way Camus looked at it, it simply means the only question that's relevant in life is do we live it or do we commit suicide? And the moment you decide to live it, you have a responsibility to give that journey meaning, recognizing that ultimately it may not have any meaning. Doesn't matter. You create meaning and that is not in the outcome, but in the things you do as if you could achieve that outcome. Hmm, right. It's wild stuff, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, Beautiful, you know. It's it's such a, you know, it's it's so easy to get distracted um, by what our culture tells us to do, Uh, you know, by these archetypal images, and uh, it's it's easy to become extremely anxious about the future, or 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 to drag the past behind us, uh, you know, in states of depression. But the true strength, the true journey, right, a a, a journey that takes more courage than setting foot on any battlefield is the journey to go within ourselves, to understand ourselves and to operate from that place first, from the core of who we are, our spirit, right?
0: Absolutely. And for the benefit of the listeners, too, what we're talking about and what Josh is bringing up is exactly the definition of change your story change your life, because he's talking about letting go of our impressions and thoughts about the past, because that is just a story, it's a narrative, and that takes courage to do. But you know what I'm interested in? You mentioned that um, your world was flipped upside down in terms of now, it changed the way you would believe the world should work. What were some of those changes that were very difficult for you to adjust to? Um,
1: <clears throat> you know, one right off the bat, and, and I'll, I'll tell you that the, certainly the near-death experience, as I look back at it, with the exception, of course, of, of, of losing uh, Staff Sergeant Marlon Harper, uh, who was killed by the same bullet that hit me. Uh, but certainly with the exception of losing him, uh, that, that near-death experience was quite a positive one in, in, in many different ways. Uh, but that being said, it was very difficult to know what to do with that. You know, I, I you know, and we, we got into this pretty extensively in the last talk, so I won't repeat it. Uh, but there's a lot of very strange things that happened that day <laughs> that, that, uh, kind of brought me back from a very impossible situation. And at first I, and, and when I say at first, I mean the first couple years, uh, I, 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 I felt a, a very deep responsibility to, to do something with that, um, almost irrationally. So, and it, 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 you know, this, it really evolved into this sense of guilt, this sense of shame, even that I wasn't doing enough. Um, and in the meantime, I was just running myself into the ground. I, I got very unhealthy it, that ended my career with a career-ending flare-up of Crohn's disease. Um, I walked out of that assignment with a divorce in one hand and a career-ending surgery in the other. And it, you know, I get the question about uh, you know spirituality and religion and God and and uh, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, this near-death experience initially pushed me much farther away from any sense of spirituality whatsoever. And I, I clearly remember feeling that uh, I was I was like a slave to God right who who brought me back to, for, for, for some type of purpose and and that uh, my own my own happiness or contentment didn't matter right it it was all bonus time for me anyway uh, and, and and certainly I wasn't gonna come back here to just do nothing and enjoy life like I, I had like an obligation to um, to to perform to cherish this to honor the gift that I was given right and the paradox of that is that I (laughs) I, I, in a sense I wasn't honoring the gift because I I, I was killing myself in the process you know and, and it and it ultimately compromised my ability to to impact the lives of other people as well Right. So, so in, in short, everything that I was doing was was so externally focused. When when what I, what I needed to be doing was was, was going within. Right. What was was understanding myself. What was, um, learning to process that experience and integrate it so that I could express it to the world in a different way. Um, and and that that was the true journey uh, in a nutshell that I that I experienced.
0: You know. What I'm hearing, and, you know, please correct me if it's off base, but what I'm hearing is that you had this tremendous guilt and this sense of responsibility, but it almost sounds like in your core you felt that no matter what you did, it couldn't be good enough because you should have died, but you didn't. (laughs) And how could you possibly, as a mortal make up for that
1: precisely Lewis like I I shouldn't be alive anyway so why does my own happiness matter <laughs> right you know I, I remember a, a when I was very fresh in the healing process uh, probably seven eight years ago I was I was actually attending a therapeutic retreat in New Mexico and at the end of that retreat I was speaking with a therapist and, I, and I, I actually told her, you know, I don't think I'll ever be happy and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I was brought back here. Maybe I was brought back here for some reason. And and, and if that means that uh, it has to be done in a sacrificial manner to make some type of an impact, then I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I shouldn't be alive anyway. And she looked at me and said, I really believe that one day you'll understand that learning to love yourself is, is the key to happiness. You have to learn to love yourself first now to me. And, and in the moment I told her this, like intellectually, I could understand that it, it, it made sense. Uh, but to me personally, and, and to many of those who dedicate their lives to serving other people like that can sound like a very selfish concept, putting ourselves first. It was, it was contrary to everything who I believed I was. And I, I learned over time, that th- there was really an issue of translation there, uh, that, that loving yourself means leading yourself, right? It, it, it means having the courage to dive into the deepest, darkest corners of your soul to uncover the truth and then fight your way back out, expressing it to the world in a much different way. Um, so, so, so that was a, a, a phenomenal lesson for me. Um, and, and it, it's a lesson that was unveiled over time. You know, I, I, I just, I mentioned the, the the multiple failed relationships, the divorce, the disease, just everything. It's, and I kind of joke, you, you kind of have to joke around about it sometimes, man. It's, it's like the, the universe had to slap me around enough until I finally got it, <laughs> you know. And um, And that's precisely what happened.
0: Well, sounds like you were slapping you around a lot. And (laughs) the word that keeps coming to my mind, it's flashing in my mind, is the word deserve. Deserve. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about deserve issues. Many people suffer from them. And they don't feel that they deserve a lot of the good things in life. They just won't allow themselves to, you know, like the therapist was saying, love yourself enough to say, you know what, I lived, I deserve to be alive, and it's good, and it's okay. You know, that's that's the most important story. We need to clearly, clearly articulate for ourselves.
1: You know, you're, 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 um, this is such a profound topic right now. Uh, and in many senses, it's, it's the essence of, <laughs> it, it's the crux of so many things, right? I, I was actually just having a similar conversation last night with a police officer uh, who, who, you know, in those professions, you're just exposed to the worst of the worst situations that humanity can dish out. And, and when you're saturated in that field with no positive counterbalance, um, it's it's hard to sit on your porch at night and enjoy life when, when, when you know uh, you know out there in your community there there's there's some kid that's being abused or some spouse that's being beaten or you know in the in the Middle East you know ISIS is you know doing the, the most horrendous things to people right it's it's when you've been exposed to that it's so hard to let that go and, and allow yourself to sort of settle into to enjoying life. And this is also why I've come to believe, though, in in terms of working out of that, there's kind of two things. One is if if, if I'm not able uh, to break out of that construct, I'm thereby compromising my own ability
0: to impact those situations. Of course. Yeah, Um, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, when you talk about the police officer who says, I know that right now there's something violent happening out there. So I don't, I can't sit here on my porch and just relax tonight. But if he never relaxes his instrument and uh, basically when you relax, you're bringing your energy, you're re- revitalizing your energy. If he doesn't revitalize his energy, he'll be useless as a cop. Mm-hmm. Just like you were destroying <laughs> yourself, you know, you were destroying yourself. So if you continued along that path, you wouldn't be doing the work you're doing today healing people
1: right it's 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 either you're and and it's interesting here because what i've you'll either you'll either compromise your profession or you'll maintain that archetypal image and compromise something else right like like i, I I've, I've really come to believe again even with things like chronic disease toxic stress is is so um prevalent and and, like i I really believe that that's been a massive trigger for all of the 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 pain i've went through on the physical side has been not being able to let those things go not being able to release those energy traps you know because that that negative energy if it's not released if it's suppressed if it's buried it it stays stored in the body (laughs) right
0: oh yeah absolutely listen i interviewed a guy um in fact i'm going to put you in touch with him Uh, um who has written a a powerful book on back pain and you know showing people that back pain is all he says all emotional Hmm. and a lot of mds say you're crazy and he goes well yeah he's helped many many people get rid of severe back pain by releasing emotional trauma Right. You know, and what I love about this again is everything we're talking about here is exactly the meaning of change your story, change your life. Because if you live into the story that you don't deserve, that you must suffer because others are suffering, and then you develop chronic disease and then part of your story becomes, I'm a, a person who is ill that's your new identity, the role you are now playing. You're living into a story that is not serving anybody. Mm-hmm. And all it does is perpetuate more unhappiness in the world. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it takes a, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, we say that with the, the most amount of respect, you know, because I, I, I've, I've Everything that I've done in my life, and I see this in so many other people, too, it's done with all the best of intentions, right? And um, it's, it's kind of why when this journey begins to unfold, when we can kind of have breakthroughs by having conversations like this, like your podcast, it, it, it can be that curative catalyst that that's, that, that uh, begins that tipping point towards transformation. Right? That's, you know, I, wonderful. that's wonderful. Thank you. You know, and I saw on your, I saw on your Facebook page that you know, the question is, well, how do we do this, right? And it's, it's, uh, and that's a, we probably talk for hours and philosophize about that. But, you know, things like I I see on your Facebook page the other day, you know, you post these, this picture of this beautiful flower and just say uh, something like creativity is effortless in nature. Beauty is effortless, right? And it really is, Lewis, you know, there's, I've, I've, I've come to believe that creativity is the inverse of trauma. Uh, you know, the, the, the psychologically traumatic experiences leave us trapped in, in, our, in our past constructs. And the question is, what can we do to asymmetrically dislodge toxic thought, toxic emotion, uh, to hit it from a different angle and, and, and release that positive feedback loop? Sometimes those answers are all around us, you know. I'll I'll, uh, uh, share. Sorry, I'm in a uh, a master's program right now in in San Francisco uh, at this wonderful program uh, at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And uh, one of my professors is is just this this brilliant uh, mathematical cosmologist uh, who who produced an Emmy winning documentary on the on the the universe and uh, among other things. And as I read his book, I, I, I looked at it through the lens of trauma and it just floored me. You know, he, he for example, he talks about uh, how stars are born, you know, and, and how all these, these innate gases in the, in the universe somehow gravitate together mysteriously, right? And then over time, the pressure of gravity continues to force those gases together, uh, forming the core of a star. But what gravity wants to do is to, is to force that core to implode upon itself. And if it did indeed implode, the star would never exist and you or I would never exist, right? So what does the star have to do in order to survive? It has to self-combust. It has to sacrifice components of itself in order to fight back the pressure of the gravity, right? And it is it is that razor's edge right, uh, of, of, of of self-sacrifice and, and, and preservation that, that allows life to thrive uh, literally at every echelon. And it's just this, um, you know, the, these signals in nature are, are all around us.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the, the thing you said before about creativity being the opposite of trauma, creativity, think of the word, to create is to make something from nothing. That is the God-like, that's a God-like activity. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what we attribute to the gods, the ability to create. And when as the more creative we are with our own lives, the more we elevate who we are from animal to God. Right. This is powerful stuff. Josh, in your book, there's a very real, memorable character. You call him the Santa Claus interpreter. Please tell us about him.
1: Interpreters are, uh, you know, the, the modern operating environment, this counterinsurgency environment uh, is, is all about your ability to build trust with the local population, uh, to build relationships. So, so interpreters are a crucial, crucial asset um in in any environment and the the primary interpreter that was assigned to my unit was a gentleman named Peter and and Peter was his code name uh he was he was a native Iraqi um and literally was with us on just about every patrol so I I developed a, a very strong relationship with him uh you know when I was at West Point I majored in Arabic and I would stay up late after patrols, smoking cigarettes with Peter to learn the dialect better. Right, to to just get more fluent on my own, and we 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 really developed a very close friendship uh, over time. And I, I describe him as Santa Claus because that's kind of what he looked like. He wasn't he wasn't like a typical interpreter. You know, most are young men in their early twenties, uh, native Iraqi Muslim, um, and, and certainly I worked with a lot of people like that. But Peter was a little different. He was he was probably in his, his early 60s, um, you know, slightly overweight, gray beard, gray hair. And he kind of had this, he kind of looked like, a, you know, our typical Santa Claus in a way. And, uh, you know, one day I got the horrendous news that uh, Peter was assassinated on his way home to visit his family, um, you know, it, 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 by an insurgent team who did a drive-by shooting on him. Uh, you know in, in, interpreters are are always under extreme risk uh, to their own lives but because they're supporting the, the the Americans in this case and 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 because of that they're a major threat to the insurgent uh, ability to, to to accomplish their goals so uh, you know tragically Peter was killed and uh, i had the pleasure of delivering his eulogy in Arabic, uh, in, in the Middle East. And, uh, just, what a, it was just an amazing story. I wasn't fluent enough in Arabic to give a proper eulogy to him. Um, so I, I worked with uh, about 10 other interpreters, stayed up all night the night before and they helped me craft the speech of my life and, uh, delivered it the next day. And, and, um, you know i unfortunately i lost it was handwritten and i lost it when i got shot uh, but but i there's one line of that 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 speech that i, I will always remember and in arabic is uh, you know peter lost it peter gave his life li unir tariq to light the path of freedom mm. to light the path of
0: freedom That's beautiful. And I remember in your book that one of the reasons he was so important to you is because he uh, brought you closer to that human sense of trust, uh, which is so important to uh, having an enriched life.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, trust is is such a powerful word. And... um, you know, the, 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 it, it's, it's possible that our, our greatest defense against evil is our ability to trust in the good of other people, uh, regardless of where we go in the world. And, and particularly when there's massive language barriers and cultural barriers in place, it's, it's, very, it's very easy to categorize people and, and become distant from the human beings that they are. Uh, language is the key to breaking those barriers down and 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 peter uh of course was was instrumental in helping us bring humanity to the situation um so so i i i can't express enough you know there, there's there's so many misperceptions you know largely due to media and and uh, how things are reported and 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 people's understanding of the culture in the middle east and and you know, what I found anywhere I go in the world, people are just people, you know, 90% of them. And it, it, it's just these, these 5% of extremists that uh, kind of dominate the conversation and dominate what we see. Uh, but it's, it's, it's people like Peter who are, you know, native Iraqi, putting their lives on the line every single day, sacrificing their lives and their families right alongside us. You know, and that applies to the Iraqi police, the national police, the you know, the the, the entire coalition force. There, there are uh, echelons of people who are are striving to stabilize these chaotic situations. And it's it's important to remember that uh, there's much more to it than, than just the American force over there.
0: Yeah, well, certainly, on, you know, the media in North America is not going to emphasize that. And, you know, we wouldn't. We know why. I mean, um, it doesn't serve a lot of interests to do so. Now, along your journey, did you often feel like giving up?
1: Yeah, there's. There are there are many times where I I, I felt uh, just broken, shattered, uh, unable to continue. You know the 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 toughest of which were often grounded in in relationship failures. You know, um, which in that there was also there was also a clue. <laughs> you know that the the deepest emotional spirals that I would get in is, is is in these loss losses after relationships because I kind of I I give everything to it right and. There's a great quote by a gentleman named John Bradshaw uh, who wrote a book called Healing the Shame That Binds You. And in that book, he said, to a shame-based person, uh, which means to to any of us who are carrying unresolved shame uh, from our past, regardless of how that began. But to a shame-based person, abandonment in relationships is akin to death. Uh, we have rejected ourselves, and when someone we love rejects us, it reinforces that we are worth less than they are, right? And you know that that really didn't sink in for me until much later on in this journey, you know, t- ten years down the road where I, I realized if 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 my reactions and responses to these losses were so profound then it's probably a pretty powerful clue that i still have unresolved unresolved shame uh that i had not gotten to the root cause of this emotional pain yet and the the choice to kind of finally lean into that pain to surrender to it uh to understand it on a much deeper level is 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 what ultimately allowed me to start to heal from it
0: yeah that's very deep i'm really glad you shared it and i agree with it wholeheartedly and this whole concept i don't know if you're aware of the fact but there have been some brilliant people who are sales trainers who pointed out that one of the reasons that rejection is so hard for salespeople to to deal with emotionally first of all they will tell you there is no such thing as rejection What do you mean? No. What happens is you offer something and a person says no to it. They haven't rejected you. It's not about you. It's about them and their understanding or desire or lack thereof of what you're offering. But what it does to you as a salesperson, as a human being, is it triggers your feelings of abandonment. And when they get triggered, like you said, they're 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 heavy. They're akin to death. And people don't want to feel that. So if you get twenty no's in a day, it's enough to make somebody say, I hate selling, I'm terrible at it, and I'm not gonna do it anymore. Exactly. You know, I mean it's fascinating stuff.
1: But I, mean, I it, yeah, I know. It's a powerful oh also powerful analogy, powerful component, and it, 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 it's, and it kind of reinforces this idea that, that the only way that I was able to overcome that feeling, right, after, after experiencing it, you know, many, many times is, you know, prior to that, every, everything was externally focused, right? I wasn't internally focused, and it, I had to begin to emanate that energy from a very different place, you know, uh, understanding the core of what I was doing, why I was doing it, who I was, uh, what, what was the key to um, becoming more immune to those types of rejections, right? And, and, and again, I, I, I reinforce this because it, it's, it's, it's important, you know, the courage that it takes to do that, the courage that it takes to be honest with ourselves and do that, that self-introspective work. Uh, often, you know, too, with the powerful perspectives of the people that surround us in our lives, it's not a journey we need to take alone. Uh, but nonetheless, that journey takes more courage than it does to set foot on any battlefield.
0: Fast. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting what you just said. You know, I came up with this uh, this image that uh, I'll share it with you. I, I call it We Need to Be Pirates of joy, pirates of joy, because joy isn't something that's passively attained. You don't just get it. One day something happens and then you feel happy and joyful. No. If you want to have a sense of joy in the world, you've got to step up and claim it. You've literally got to be a pirate who plunders it from a world of negativity who plunders it from a world that tells you no be small who are you to feel great blah 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 blah
1: absolutely i i like the pirates of pirates of joy it's 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 um it, you know there there's there's many different echelons of leadership and 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 to really drive long-lasting, sustainable change to the world as we know it now. Um, it, it, we need as many leaders as possible, and that includes leading yourself, right? So th- that's, that's a great example of that.
0: I don't think it includes. I think it begins with... It's got to Be- begin... You must begin with leading yourself.
1: A- absolutely. You know, you know? Th- there's there's several different echelons of leadership, right? There, there's... there's uh, you know, leadership is what most people think of it as... You know, I'm, I'm a manager or I'm in command of a unit and and the, the subordinates or the team members are the people that I'm leading. Uh, but that's just one component of it, right? There's, there's lateral leadership in, in, in the way that we influence our peers. There's leading up and the way we influence our managers and our, our, our bosses. There's, there's outward leadership in the way that we lead in a cross-organizational or cross-cultural capacity. But the one that's that's often most overlooked <laughs> is self-leadership. And it's also the most important.
0: Absolutely. Now, your book is called The Beauty of a Darker Soul. What do you mean by a darker soul?
1: You know, there's a... uh, For that, I'll point to Viktor Frankl, who is uh, a world-renowned psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor uh, who who wrote the book called Man's Search for Meaning. And, And in that book, Frankl tells us that without suffering and death... Human life cannot be complete, and and that the suffering we endure throughout our lives gives us ample opportunity to derive greater meaning in our lives. And as I look back on this journey, right, I, I'm I'm grateful for all of my experiences, as painful and as dangerous as as, as they were at times, uh, because it broadened my emotional bandwidth. And, and gave me the capacity to empathize with others on a much deeper level. So all of this, uh, th- th- this whole thing is, has, has fortunately placed me in a position to um, connect with people on a deeper, deeper level and in ways that I still uncover every day. And uh, that's the capacity that these perspectives can bring to the table. You know, we, we all we all have an opportunity to make a positive difference in the lives of others with each waking moment uh, if we can only learn to harness it mm-hmm. and and it, to me that is the beauty of a darker soul that's the beauty of being exposed uh to, to, to these seemingly very negative events uh but understanding that the human spirit has the capacity to transform them into very positive uh events that can make a a positive difference in the lives of others.
0: Thank you very much. And I'm glad you mentioned Frankel's book. Uh, It is a book that uh, almost every thought leader I've ever respected and listened to references this book. And in that book, there's the, 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 the philosophy that we talked about of We give meaning to the experience that ultimately it may not have a meaning of its own, but we have the responsibility to give experiences and circumstances meaning. That's why Frankl, when he was in the concentration camp, found ways to feel happy. I mean, that's amazing to me, to be in a concentration camp and find a way to feel happy. And if I'm not mistaken, he looked outside of the camp and there was a tree growing there. And through the seasons, he watched it develop. And he said he would make himself look outside with a sense of gratitude and appreciation for the beauty of that growth and that tree. And that gave him a sense of joy. Now, that takes tremendous strength to do that when you're living in those circumstances. Tremendous.
1: Like it's 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 such a, um, and I encourage anyone to to consider reading that book because it's 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 just as I as I kind of even make the attempt to put myself in, in that position or in the shoes, which, which we just can't, right? But but it's you know things that, 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 that just strike me are you know his 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 wife was in the concentration camp right next door. And, and, and yet that entire time he never knew how she was doing he didn't know what she was experiencing. Um, you know the woman that he loved so dearly he, he, he you know having to overcome that and and, and still being able to find uh, the strength to move forward and carry on is uh, just a, a profound testament I, I think to any one of us. Um, and and that's that's why you know that that book has made a, a significant difference in in my life.
0: Yeah, it's it's it is it's very very powerful. Josh, what are you most grateful for today?
1: You know the 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 relationships in my life. Um, the you know just just uh, just two days ago over Memorial Day, I I you know and, and this is this applies just about any time I travel or. Anytime we have conversations like this, the, the the people that we continuously get to encounter and, and meet, um, the the perspectives that we derive from others, and the relationships that we form, that is the essence of of uh, humanity to me. And um, you know, so, so anytime I, I get to have the opportunity to just meet great people, which which I, I find everywhere I go. Uh, is is something to me that's just absolutely irreplaceable, including this conversation you and I are having right now, Lewis. like what a what a blessing it's been to to share this time with you and and you know learn from each other. Um, and, and that's that's certainly uh, that's certainly one of the top on the list. <laughs> so.
0: thank you. And adding to that for the listeners, this is a key to the story that we, carry with us all the time, because if you didn't begin with a frame of mind or a story that says, I believe that most people have goodness in them, and I have chosen to trust more than distrust, you wouldn't be meeting people who enrich you. You would be meeting people who would be Supporting the negative story that probably says most people are terrible. Um, you can't trust anybody. And you know what? You'd make that real. And those are the people you'd be encountering in your life. Right. It's, it's a very interesting game. Now you are, you talk about bringing a new paradigm into the world. What is that?
1: The well, you know, this this topic of of psychological trauma, uh, uh, although we've made a lot of headway over the last uh, couple years, especially, it's it's still widely misunderstood. Uh, It's it's highly stigmatized, and and that's that's not good for anyone. Uh, It's 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 detrimental, you know. And um, so so when I when I first talk about shifting the paradigm, it's it's literally changing. The way that we think and speak about psychologically traumatic experiences uh, across the country, across the world, you know, we kind of want to use conversations like this, uh, use use the book, use use these different venues to to drive and open up discussion through a completely different lens uh, Mm. in the lives of people. You know, whether that's whether that's uh, you know, bring these conversations up with with your your spouse, with your close friends, with your loved ones. Um, just generating these types of discussions can go a long way, and and, and even be curative in and of itself. Um, so, so that's 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 I would say the foundation of it. Um, and then in a much more specific way, uh, I, I'm I'm I, I've uncovered a lot of gaps in the. Uh, behavioral health field um, you know and this this kind of comes down to what we're discussing about leadership as as, as well you know and I I've, I've found that you know there's there's so many clinicians out there and and I consider clinicians to be the heroes of an invisible battlefield you know and they're, they're, they're just holding uh, people's greatest pain uh, with the utmost integrity and and uh, behind closed doors and they they're really unsung heroes in so many regards um, but I, I i've also found like especially within the military and first responder professions uh, there there tends to be a, a almost a translation gap between the two fields um, so what my role is is basically be the to be the bridge between those two communities to provide clinical training and consultation that uh, that that empowers clinicians to unlock the skill sets that they already have um, so that we can all synergistically work together to, to improve the dynamics of what we're experiencing right now.
0: Wow, that's that's a powerful, um, a very, very powerful vision. Uh, I guess my other question probably is redundant because I think you have kind of articulated what are you most passionate about? Well, it sounds like you just answered that.
1: That, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the core of it, Lewis, you know, and this is so important because it it, it doesn't matter who we are, right? Um, trauma, you know, these destructive experiences, when, when they're, when they're infused into our lives, like it's generational, right? It it impacts who we are and therefore it impacts subsequent generations as well, whether we, whether we're consciously aware of that or not. And, uh, you know, so, so military first responder populations is, is, is one thing, but, but, but another thing that I'm deeply passionate about is, is our, our youth. Um, you know, so I, I, I try to do as many talks at, at high schools and, and, and things like that as I can. Uh, because, you know, what our, what our kids are experiencing today, they're under enormous pressure. Um, you know, my, my little sister's actually about to graduate from high school (laughs) next week. Um, fortunate to be home for that. And, uh, you know, I just talking with some of her friends and and, and trying to help them through some of uh, what they're experiencing right now. It's it's a it's a very difficult world that they're walking into, mm. uh, far far more difficult than I grew up in, uh, much more ambiguous. And uh, so, anything we can do to deliver hope to them uh, is is uh, kind of at the forefront of this objective, and and that's what's really gonna cause cultural transformation, you know, take trauma out at its core, which starts with the youth.
0: Beautiful. That is beautiful. How can people contact you, Josh?
1: So the best way is is my website, uh, DarkerSouls.com. Uh, and on there, you can find links to all my social media pages. Uh, and I've, I've actually very recently started to push out some, some pretty powerful short videos, like less than a minute long. Uh, that can keep discussions like this going, right? Uh, so you're, uh, welcome you to join us.
0: Beautiful. Any final thoughts for our storytellers today?
1: Uh, you, you know, I, I just say, you know, I'll reinforce the one thing that we've kind of said repeatedly, but that, that, that healing is a journey, growth is a journey. It's never a fixed point in time. Uh, and and that, uh, that being said, it's, it's not a journey that you need to take alone. Um, that, that, uh, human connection, uh, is, is, is everywhere we look if we open ourselves up to it. Uh, and, and our, our greatest strength often lies in, in one another.
0: Love that. That is, um, it's again, a very powerful thought. I can't thank you enough. You bring such, um, richness and you of humanity to uh, the show and, um, I think that the value of it will be felt by people way beyond um, our even our ability to even know about it. You know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thanks again, man. Thank you,
1: Lewis, It's been a pleasure, and, and thank you for uh, thank you for for running this show. And and I, I say the same back to you. It's it's definitely having a, a an enormous impact. And, really appreciate who you are.
0: Thank you. I've received that. And thank you, storytellers, once again, for spending what I consider a very, very special hour with me and Josh Mance. This is an episode that you owe it to yourself to pay forward to people whose lives you would like to enrich. Let them know that they can hear this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Absolutely take advantage of the free gift waiting for you at that site, the downloadable ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. It is brief, to the point, and it is a game changer that will empower you in so many ways. Talking about books, one book that jumps out from this particular podcast is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I know that sometimes we mean to get to books, but we don't because, well, we tell ourselves we just don't have the time. Today, I'm urging you, don't make that excuse. Go immediately to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Look for the title, Man's Search for Meaning. Download it absolutely free as an audio book that you can enjoy while you're in your car, while you're working out while you're doing many other things that you do in the course of your day. And by listening to that book, your world will expand. You will find ways to enrich and add tremendous freedom to the way you live right now. And of course, you can also choose other books that you like from more than 180,000 titles as a gift from our sponsor, Audible. I would love to know one or more of the powerful takeaways that you took from listening to Josh today. Send them to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. For next week, I want to offer you this liberating challenge. Think about what you heard Josh and I discuss from Viktor Frankl's powerful book, Man's Search for Meaning. Apply it to your life by examining one thing that feels, one area of your life that might feel completely upside down that is a source of pain, that is a source of frustration that maybe feels unsolvable to you. And then think about how Viktor Frankl would have framed it. Then reframe your thinking about that issue so that it becomes not only solvable, becomes less painful, but it becomes a source of growth, learning, liberation, perhaps even contentment and joy. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life?